You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue, Lance Glenn, behind the scenes doing his thing as our producer, and Tyler Calvaruso incoming, our recruiting reporter at Lions 24-7, because we've got a recruiting pickup to talk about for Penn State on Tuesday afternoon, top 24-7, top 100, in fact, defensive lineman Tamarian Parker out of Phoenix City uh, in Alabama Central High School announces that he will be heading to Happy Valley for his college career. Big, big pickup here. We'll talk about all the odds and ends that go into it with Tyler in just a moment. But just to set the stage a bit, number 48 overall in the composite rankings. I'm sorry, in the 24-7 sports rankings, which place him as the number six defensive lineman in the 2023 recruiting cycle. A four-star and a 94 rating from 24-7 sports. Had 23 tackles for a loss and 10 sacks as a junior. Did Tamari and Parker. We're going to talk about him and a lot more coming off of another busy weekend here in Happy Valley with Tyler Calvaruzzo, who's been all over it on Lions 24-7. Tyler joining us right now on the Lions 24-7 podcast. And look, we got a lot to touch on from last weekend, some of the potential ramifications moving forward for this class. But here is an obvious tangible outcome. Tamarian Parker needed about 48 hours after he left campus to go public with his Penn State pledge. Yeah, and what did we say on the last podcast? Going into that official visit weekend, Penn State was going to have to be able to sell some of these Southern guys on Penn State being a place that they can develop. And that is exactly what John Scott Jr. did with Tamarian Parker. Penn State knocked it out of the park with him on the official. I mean, look, for them to close this deal 48 hours later with him still having officials scheduled with Michigan State, and then he had a couple of fall trips scheduled with Florida and Tennessee as well. I mean, it, you really can't say enough about what John Scott Jr. accomplished this last weekend. If you're a Penn State fan, man, give him his flowers because he deserves them. And, you know, obviously, kid with like that from the South with all that SEC interest, it's going to be a grind up until, you know, he signs. But Penn State is – very happy with what they're able to accomplish with Parker and getting him on board right now. So shortly after the official wrapped up. Yeah. You check out that official visit list and and there's a lot of impressive options on the table for him. He's a guy who has been able to get on the move, check out campuses, uh, Georgia, Tennessee, were some schools he was to in the spring. Uh, And we talked about it, you know, coming up uh, from the South 48 hour window, take a long look, try to digest as much as you can, then go home and talk it over with your support system. And I think the big thing here, and, and we'll have to kind of keep tabs on this moving forward because uh, plenty of programs are going to want to get him on their campus, not just this summer, but when games start up in the bleachers come fall on Saturdays and Penn State's going to have to try to do diligence, keeping him on board moving for- toward December. But to seal the deal here on Tuesday, uh, coming off of this visit, not letting it go deeper into June, not letting it go into the summer, not letting those feelings fade away. It's going to make it much more difficult for Tamarian Parker to kind of, I think, back off of, of how he's feeling in this moment. Not to say he's a prisoner of the moment, but very clearly he has enough convincing, supporting evidence from his experience, from his dialogue with the staff that makes him feel like the time is right to make this move. Yeah, I think the important thing to note with Parker is that this was his first, first official visit. And, you know, some might have the notion that, oh, this is just a commitment coming off a post-visit high. From what I've been gathered, that's really not what this is about. At the end of the day, Parker got to Penn State and realized, hey, this might not be SEC country, but I, I could be a guy here. I could develop here. I could get my game to the next level. 
and be where I want to be. So this isn't really an instance of a kid, you know, coming off his first official, kind of getting lost in that hype. This was a very informed decision that Parker made. And is it going to be a fight until the end? Yeah, 100%. But Penn State has itself in a position where it's going to have a legitimate chance to hold on to this kid and get that signature at the end of this day. This isn't one of the things where, you know, it's not – it doesn't come down to just the official visit. Yeah, with Parker, this is an official visit that he set up a long time ago. Uh, this is this is a school that he has been trying to check out in person, uh, kind of really get his arms around what Penn State could offer him and his family long term. And he had a chance to do that this weekend. You think about this guy has been a name on the national radar for some time. He was a Max Preps uh, sophomore All-American back in 2020. He helped lead Central to a state championship game last year. And I think the, the conversation with Parker, who was about six foot four, 250 plus pounds, has been, you know, depending on the, the defense you're talking about, depending on the coaching staff you're discussing in his college recruitment, it has been, you know, is he a guy who's, who's going to line up out of a two point stance and, and be a stand up kind of rushing uh, defender off the edge? Or will he have the ability uh, to be that four three defensive end? And, and here in this system, that's where he is going to be pegged. Um, Look, John Scott Jr. got to campus a few years ago. Tyler, you weren't around yet, obviously, but you know a lot of people were wondering what kind of a, a dynamic presence he could be on the recruiting trail. He showed up to campus, and then COVID showed up, and, and so it was hard to gauge early. But he replaced Sean Spencer, who's now with the Florida Gators, who just had one of the more uh, more engaging and, and vocal personalities of anybody that, that I've covered, part of this coaching staff. So I think because of that juxtaposition, Coach Scott, a little bit more of a laid-back demeanor, comes off as more of a soft-spoken guy, but he has really resonated recruits. We've seen that play out, especially since the floodgates opened and the NCAA allowed for these person uh, personal contacts with the recruiting again. And you're seeing it play out. We've seen it with the recruiting trail. Uh, we've seen it with the transfer portal, their ability to go get edge rushers that are going to be working with John Scott. And now we're seeing it play out again as, as they build long-term. I think Scott just having that NFL background and being at that level is such a big selling point for recruits. You know, I there are so many defensive line coaches throughout college football who haven't necessarily coached in the NFL. And Scott Jr. just has that over them in the sense that he knows what it's like to be at that level. And he knows what kind of a skill set a player needs to have to not only get to the NFL, but stick in the NFL. And that's a major selling point on the recruiting trail because players want to hear all about player development. And that was the biggest selling point with Parker. And that's what really sold him on Scott Jr., you know, being his position coach of the future. Yeah, before uh, before he got here, obviously uh, uh, some stints down in the SEC with South Carolina and Arkansas, but a couple of seasons with the New York Jets before that. And by the way, in that room, someone with some NFL experience uh, as a player, uh, Deion Barnes, who a former Nittany line, uh, you know, always gets a lot of credit on the recruiting trail and uh, often working in kind of a tag team format and getting some of these defensive linemen on board for the Nittany Lions are him and John Scott. Um, one other thing here, um, by the way, it shows how crowded the top of the 2023 composite rankings are for classes right now. This move sends the Nittany Lions from number six to number two in those composite rankings. This is commitment number 14 for them right now. Uh, and again, just going back to the to the havoc that he was able to wreak last year, 20 plus tackles for loss, 10 sacks. Um, and someone that I think you, you, you deal with our, our rankings council and some of our scouts at 24-7 really feels like the trajectory is pointing up here. And we're still trying to figure out who this guy is as the game slows down around him. And he's able to use some of those physical traits to his advantage. I think it's a natural thing to kind of lead right into the defensive line recruiting talk and a, and a big name at forefront of that has been Jason Moore for some time. He was the first official visitor of June. He was on campus by himself in that regard during the first weekend of this month. What kind of an impact, if any, does the pickup of Tamari and Parker spell for Jason Moore? 
The short answer is it really doesn't have that much of an impact in the sense that it's not going to turn more off Penn State or anything of that nature. The bottom line being that Moore is a guy who projects to play on the inside, while Parker's more of a guy who's going to wind up on the edge. So this might entice Moore a little bit in the sense that, you know, that this is this is a big commitment for Penn State. He could be a part of a potentially elite defensive line haul with the Nittany Lions 2023 recruiting class. But, yeah, it's a question I've fielded a lot on Lions 24-7 ever since this Parker bit popped up. This isn't going to be a situation where Moore sees a guy commit and he's going to be turned off or anything like that. If anything, this might help Penn State because this is another potentially elite player joining the fold. Yeah, he becomes the the second highest rated member of this recruiting class behind Alex Birchmeyer, who's the number one overall interior offensive lineman in these rankings for the 2023 cycle. Um, and they're doing it in the trenches. Look, they're top three ranked players. It's it's offensive lineman Alex Birchmeyer, uh, Jevin Williams, an offensive tackle, and then you got the defensive lineman Tomari and Parker. All three of them are top 100 prospects. And I, I think right now you work through this defensive line group. Jameel Lyons hopped on board in April, a four-star edge rusher out of Philadelphia. And then the, the name that we just aren't quite sure with yet is Mega Barnwell. And, and I know you've been on this beat for a few weeks now. It's something that we've talked about, uh, you know, early on tight end. We had talked about offensive line, now defensive lines in focus. Um, so that's a name that needs to be monitored there as, as you kind of sort through what John Scott might be bringing on board in 2023. Uh, but Tyreek Blanding, of course, just came on board on Friday night. So we're starting to see some momentum build on defense with this recruiting class after a really strong start offensively. Yeah, and, you know, Mega is so interesting just because there are so many different places that it feels like he can wind up at this point. Yeah, you know, I could see him maybe starting as a three-tech. Who really knows? It's kind of just one of those wait-and-see things. But, yeah, the defensive line board, it, it's really come together in just the last week and a half, two weeks, really. So you're starting to see what Penn State is accomplishing on the defensive line in this class. And if you're a Nittany Lions fan, you kind of have to like the direction it's going. I don't, I don't think you could really have any complaints right now. And because it's that time of year, if you're not paying attention, you may have missed the commitment. And, and you know, we, we we had to talk about the most recent one. So let's work our way backwards. And, and Tyreek Blanding did come on board Friday night. That was in, uh, one that was a little bit ahead of schedule. We talked about this last podcast episode with a Saturday announcement expected. Didn't even make it to Saturday. Stepped on up, decided he was heading to Penn State. Wanted to announce that to the world on Friday. Um, before we get to the impact of the official visitors who were on campus this past weekend, how about that commitment that preceded those official visits? Yeah, Blanding was just so excited about committing to Penn State. You know, he had to, he couldn't wait another day. He he knew where he wanted to be right after that official visit ended. You know, and we you know we keep coming back to this, but John Scott Jr. did really did a great job with Blanding while he was on campus, just selling the development and selling his scheme fit. Scott Jr. sees him as a three tech, so he'll get his start there. And you know, Blanding. The big thing with Blanding is that he still has a lot of developing and growing to do, both physically and just, you know, schematically and everything like that. He's a guy, he has, the biggest thing with Blanding in terms of his skill set right now is his hand violence. He has really good hands, just shedding blocks, getting off blocks and getting into the opposing backfield. That was a trait Penn State really liked. And he needs to add a little bit of weight, you know, maybe add a little bit more explosiveness. But hey, look, they like where he's at. They like where he's trending. And they see him as a potential contributor on the defensive line down the road. 
hands, particularly active hands at the point of attack as well uh, for Tamari and Parker. That's one thing that's, that stood out as I got another uh, fresh look at his highlights on Tuesday. You, you kind of uh, apply that label to Blanding as well. Um, not as, not as gaudy of a pickup when you look at his profile, he's a three-star. Uh, he's the number 61 defensive lineman in 24 seven sports evaluation. He is the number one player out of the state of New York at this point in the cycle in 24 seven sports evaluation of the 2023 class out of Christ, the King regional uh, middle village, New York. So, look, we see the commitments coming together. People always want to know, okay, when's the next one? We, we Penn State's starting to creep up here in the commitment total. Um, but they've got room to fill. And, and let's start with another defensive prospect who has got a lot of attention, in-state player Tamir Robinson, a guy who's grown from safety to linebacker to edge prospect by our 24-7 sports rankings. Um, how did Penn State do after getting him on, him on campus late for the latest trip? I think – Robinson's official visit, excuse me, kind of reinforced the reality of where Penn State is at in his recruitment. Because Miami made a really strong push at the beginning of the month with, with its official, and it kind of got the sense that this is going to be a real fight between Penn State and Miami. I know Virginia Tech got the official visit as well, but they were kind of always on the outside looking in from what I've been able to gather. But I think just getting Robinson on campus, getting him around Manny Diaz was probably the biggest thing because. Miami didn't offer Robinson while Diaz was still down there. So that relationship had to be built up. And I think Diaz did a great job of accomplishing that over the weekend. Another big thing with Robinson in regards to Diaz is a lot of current Penn State players were selling Diaz and just how they've enjoyed working with him as their position coach and how they enjoy his defensive scheme and where just where things are trending with Diaz on the staff now. So that was a big selling point with Robinson. I like where Penn State is at heading into his announcement. I believe it's July 15th he's going to be announcing his commitment with the top three of Penn State, Miami, and Virginia Tech. I like where the Nittany Lions are at right now after this weekend. And Manny, Manny Diaz trying to work some magic, trying to build things up for, for his future plans with Penn State. And another name there, of course, is Tony Rojas. He was also on campus this past weekend. He is also down to a small collection of schools. It's Georgia, Clemson, Penn State, Miami uh, in focus now for Rojas. He announced he will be committing on July 5th. And whenever you got a guy saying, hey, he's ready to commit and he just walked off your campus, you kind of sort of like it, but there's more to the story here with Tony Rojas. Yeah, Ross is going to be at Georgia for his official visit this weekend, so Bulldogs are going to get the last crack at him. And look, I mean, Rojas's recruitment has just – it's been interesting with Georgia coming on late and him wanting to give that staff the opportunity to get the relationship, you know, to where he feels comfortable enough to commit. But look, Penn State has the longest-standing relationship with Rojas. The family absolutely loves the school. They love the staff. There's just great bonds there all across the board. So you have to like where Penn State is at right now, even with Georgia's presence. I think with the July 5th decision coming for Rojas, it, there have been instances where it looked a little bit dicey. You know, Georgia looked like it was making up some serious ground. But I think this is another situation where the big official visit weekend helped Penn State standing with one of the top prospects on its board. I think Rojas is in, a, in Penn State are in a good spot right now. Yeah, look, we've seen Rojas come to campus before. We've seen him come to campus when Beaver Stadium was filled up and there were tons of people on campus. Now, an official visit weekend, even if there were almost 20 guys or so, it's still more of an int intimate setting. And so do you think this was a different kind of experience for Tony Rojas than maybe the others when he got up here to Happy Valley? Maybe not for Rojas individually, but definitely for the family. I, I feel like the staff just made a lot of ground with the family and just earning that trust more than they already – like. Rojas's relationship with Penn State and the family relationship with Penn State has already been good, but
but getting that kind of extended stay on campus and that really more in-depth look at the inner workings of the program and the school itself, I think the Rojas clan is really excited with what Penn State has to offer right now. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go back to the in-state recruiting scene and let's go to offense. London Montgomery, uh, the premier running back in the state of Pennsylvania for the 2023 cycle. He's been exploring his options. Penn State among them came through with a strong spring uh, track season that helped clear up, give some teams some answers on where he is from a speed standpoint. Uh, How about an answer on where he is with Penn State coming off the visit? Yeah, so we have the crystal balls in for him. We still, feel, I still feel pretty good about mine. He's going to be at Boston College this weekend for his official visit. BC's been after him pretty hard. Running backs coach Savon Huggins there has been really selling him hard for a long time. But I don't think that visit really changes where this recruitment ends up at the end of the day. I still really like Penn State's chances of closing on Montgomery. And with Montgomery, I mean, you mentioned that that he still wants to get out there and, and see some visits. Any surprise from you because he had the crystal ball submitted that this wasn't a kind of uh, let's close up shop and pack up the recruitment situation yes and, coming out of the visit? Yeah, yes and no. Yes, because Penn State really sold Montgomery hard on how much it wants him. And I think that made a pretty profound impact on him. And no, because of the relationship he has with Savon Huggins, there's a lot of mutual respect there. And I think Montgomery really wants to give Boston College a chance to see, you know, if that could be a spot for him and if Huggins could be a guy who could close the deal with him. So there's a lot of mutual respect between those two. So I'm not surprised that that visit was scrapped. But like I said, I still think this is going to be a Penn State victory at the end. Of course, Boston College does not have a Nick Singleton or a Katron Allen. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they have someone waiting in the wings. You would know better than I do. But you look at kind of the path to playing time. That's the one thing that may be at the disadvantage for Penn State. Uh, But look, uh, Jaywan Slater says before, look what Miles Sanders did. Showed up to campus, saw who was ahead of him, worked as hard as he could, got his turn, turned into a one-and-done situation as a starting running back for Penn State. And I think that's really what Slater, when you talk to him about how how does he convince these top running backs to, to keep following each other to campus, kind of where he goes it says look, you look around you want to play high level college football you're not going to be the only big you know, bmoc you're going to you're going to have to, to share that with some other blue chips and there's a reason right now you look at all five of the running backs in this room all of them were top 24 7 prospects so whoever steps up next whether it's london montgomery or someone else trey on web was on campus they have to have a complete full understanding and wrap their arms around it and embrace it that it is not going to be a cakewalk uh to carries here at penn state although they're coming off a rough year last year 
that is the circumstance. Um, a couple other long distance visitors that came up from Osceola High School in Florida, Derek LeBlanc, uh, defensive lineman, Jakeem Jackson, uh, cornerback. Both of them are considered four-star prospects in 24-7 sports rankings, and each of them spent time together here in Happy Valley. Yeah, and if, you, if you've been online towards 24-7 lately, you see a lot of interesting quotes out of those two. Those, those two got some character to them, but especially LeBlanc. But, uh, yeah, those two, Penn State made some progress with those guys over the weekend. And it kind of goes back to what I said at the beginning of the podcast about selling the Southern guys on, you know, taking their talents up north and Penn State being a place where they can develop and get to where they want to be with their game. I think that was a vision that was sold to those two. I think Penn State right now is in a better spot with Jackson than it is LeBlanc, but I think progress was definitely made with LeBlanc as well. And those two are definitely in play for the Nittany Lions right now, especially Jackson. He went as far as saying he has Penn State in his top three which I don't believe was the case entering the weekend. I think that was there was a big impression made there. Uh, more Florida intrigue that we'll get to in a second at defensive back. But one note here, uh, because you were all over this uh, as it was coming to fruition for the official visit, Detroit uh, Cast Tech defensive lineman Jalen Thompson. He did make that trip, but you're not exactly uh, pretty much indicating that's punctuating the Penn State recruitment on the side of things. Yeah, I, I still think it's going to be Michigan State for Thompson based just on the intel that I've gathered. I don't think the needle has really moved in that regard. He's going to be at Michigan State this weekend. I wouldn't be surprised if the Spartans close the deal there before the beginning of July. You mentioned Michigan State with a few of these guys and, and, and yeah. Penn State butting, butting heads with the Spartans. Of course, they'll do that on the field in November here in Happy Valley at Beaver Stadium. But another name that, that's kind of part of that tug of war in the recruiting tra trail is a young man out of South Florida, of all places, King Mack. His teammate, Conrad Hussey, committed to Penn State a few months ago. Uh, Hussey and Mack were both part of that official visitor group this past weekend. And if, if you have followed his, his uh, recruitment, you know it's coming down the wire. Michigan State got their opportunity. Penn State got their chance. What are you reading in the tea, tea leaves for King Mack? So it was a good trip for Mac. I think being on campus with Conrad Hussey was a pretty big deal for him. And just, you know, seeing what led Hussey to feel like Happy Valley could be a place for him. And I think that kind of resonated with Mac. We have the crystal balls in for Mac. I still feel good about my prediction. He's going to go back home. He's going to assess his options. He has two pretty good ones in Penn State, Michigan State. There are a lot of good selling points there with both programs. And I think a decision could come relatively soon. It's not necessarily imminent because, you know, he's a he wants to sit back. He wants to kind of, you know, look at every, all of his options on the board, the pros, the cons, the, everything. He, I like the way he's going about his recruitment. I always, I'm always an advocate for kids just really diving the, as deep in as they could get and just, you know, making as these well-informed decisions just so they stick with, you know, so they know where they really want to be. And Mac's doing that. But I think right now I would have to say I like where Penn State's at. Michigan State, definitely a big factor. It's, it's close. It's not, you know, one program doesn't have a significant advantage over the other. But I think right now, Penn State is going to be my pick for Mac, and I'm sticking with that. Yeah, Mac went out and crushed his spring track season. Yeah. He went sub 10-7 in the 100 meter, and um, and as a result, at least a part of a result, and, and you know, reading to what you will, but spring track season is a big part of the evaluation process for a lot of these guys. <laughs> he skyrocketed up to number seven overall 
in our safety rankings at 24-7 sports. 122 in the top 247 is King Max. So we're talking about if Penn State can seal the deal here and, and, and get Michigan State out of the way and, and bring him on board to pair with Hussey. That's yet another long-distance top 24-7 pickup on defense for Manny Diaz and company. Um, we got a few other recruiting updates to get to that don't involve those official visitors um, now that we've made it through kind of that conversation. And one was actually about a visitor who popped up on campus late last week, and that was Nikhil Betrand, uh, offensive lineman out of Philadelphia. We've documented Penn State's interest with him and vice versa. He put out a top 10 list a couple weeks ago. It didn't feature Penn State. He had not visited Penn State to that point. Now things have changed, apparently. Yeah, so Betrand popped up on campus on Thursday just before he was uh, scheduled to hop on a plane and head to Kentucky for his official visit on a Friday. So right now it looks like Betrand's going to get the official visit to Penn State done in the fall. He's a guy who's going to be monitored moving forward. You know, it, it's a fluid situation. We'll see where things end up there. But, yeah, Betrand is most definitely on the radar for Penn State right now. Yeah, he's 6'7", 310 pounds. I've mentioned this before, but he was under 200 pounds and and uh, and a basketball-focused player as an underclassman. So his his football career has come a long way, but his recruitment has come very far just since the spring. Still committed to the Colorado Buffaloes. You wonder how built to last that is when you see some of these offers that have popped up. But I think Penn State, like many of the other schools here, it's important to really gauge what you've got in, in, in Betran, not just here in 2022, but maybe in the next three, four, five years yeah. as you try to project. Because th that's what this guy is. He's a projectable component. He's not going to be a plug-and-play type talent. And so I think it's really important for these schools. You see the offers, and the next phase of that is now come see us on campus so we can really get a long, diligent look at who you are and what you can be for us. This isn't just, hey, here's a bunch of offers. Commit whenever you feel ready. It's not that kind of a situation. And I think with Nikhil Betran, I do think he'll take this into the fall. He mentioned to me before he wanted to do some exploring with official visits in the fall. Before he had talked about maybe looking away from Penn State because of the proximity, maybe trying to, to get on a plane and use official visits for flights. But I think you know, that would be pretty important uh, if, if we do hear confirmation from Betran moving forward that he's going to get on campus in the fall because it'll give us a good indication of what his timeline looks like and really how much Penn State is realistically involved in this pursuit, in this process. And you've got to wonder from Colorado's standpoint, they have one of the, the better classes in the Pac-12 right now. Um, they just willing to sit back and sit tight and, and, and rely on personal connections and hope they can somehow still have this thing at the end of it. A lot to sort through. I don't necessarily see him being a Colorado Buffalo come next winter, but Penn State, despite not being on that top 10 list, as you said, suddenly in play for the Philadelphia linemen, uh, still in play for another offensive lineman and Evan Link as the 2023 classes kind of uh, the board has changed and we've seen some some movement, including Joshua Miller flipping to Georgia last week. Offensive line remains in focus. They've got a nice nucleus, but Evan Link is kind of that next name up we've been discussing. How do our things maybe looking a little bit different this week than they did last week? Yeah, Link's recruitment has been uh, the always changing variety. There, there's always something going on there. And so he was he was scheduled to make it out to Michigan, I believe. Yeah, Michigan over the last weekend. That trip wasn't made. So it seems like right now it's between Penn State and Stanford. I believe he's going to be at Stanford for his official this weekend. And, yeah, we touched on it last week when it comes to Stanford and that Stanford degree, all, all that jazz. I like – Penn, I liked Penn State when it was a Penn State-Michigan battle. I think I like Penn State even more that it's a Penn State-Stanford battle. I just think that relationship is in a really good place. And I don't want to go as far as saying I think Penn State's going to close just because I don't know what's going to happen when, like, makes it out to Palo Alto. You know, you could have a trip that completely swings the, the pendulum. So you just don't know. So it, it's, it's kind of – he's tough to get a read on. But I think Penn State has to like where it's at right now. 
Penn State's certainly taking their swing here, and so yeah. are their recruits. They're applying that peer recruiting um, effort. I don't want to ever refer to it as pressure because mm-hmm. I don't think that's the way you want to go about it. But I can tell you that the group of commits, especially those guys in the offensive line, they're doing their part in making Evan Link feel comfortable in joining the class if it comes down to that. Uh, as you said, there's some more work to be done in this recruitment moving ahead. And, of course, there's more work to be done uh, here in Happy Valley because uh, June has been the official visit gauntlet that will continue this weekend. I know you're already well into that process of preparing for next weekend. What stands out early to you? And, again, this is a visit that evolves over the course of the week before we eventually see guys show up to campus Friday. Yeah, I mean, just before getting into what's on deck for this weekend, I mean – these Penn State commits are incredible, man. You see them on Twitter. They're all over the place. They're all over guys harder than the staff, it seems like, at this point. <laughs> Especially like Alex Birchmeyer, man. He's everywhere. I love the activity from those guys. It's fun to see. But the big fish this weekend is probably Cam Selvin. He was at Tennessee last weekend. This is a big upcoming visit for Penn State. They really want this guy. And it's easy to see why. His athletic makeup, he could do a lot of different things. No matter where he winds up, he could play either side of the ball. You know, he he could do it all. And Penn State's in good standing heading into the weekend. I think Tennessee made a pretty strong push last weekend. I, I think the Vols are – they're right there now. But this is another situation, kind of like Tamir Robinson, where this visit could kind of reinforce the reality of where Penn State is in the pecking order, and that might be at the top. You also documented that uh, a scheduled visit at wide receiver no longer going to take place. Um, and, that, and that's a spot where Penn State threw a lot of darts at the target board in the last month or so, uh, kind of scrambling uh, the wide receiver board a little bit. Um, along the way, picking up a Johnny Shakir. Along the way, seeing Rodney Gallagher go to West Virginia. Um, and then, of course, Yazid Haynes coming on board as he receivers, he defensive back. But uh, interesting movement at that. And, and it's a spot to watch here as the official visits come to a close for June. Yeah, so two wideouts not going to be making up to campus. Derek Bowler from Miami Palmetto and Anthony Evans from Texas. Bowler, I just think it's a matter of them having guys ahead of him on the board. So I don't, I don't think that's really, you know, Penn State's not really all broken up about that. Evans, I think he's just going to wind up at Oklahoma. I mean, the Sooners really set the tone with that first official visit at the beginning of the month, and it's it just seemed all Oklahoma since then. So I think that's the deciding factor, and Evans not making it up to campus. I think he's starting to get the sense he knows where he wants to be. We'll keep tabs on, on that situation. Again, uh, just kind of uh, putting it out there on what the, what the recruiting coverage will look like here at Lions 24-7 and what Penn State has cooking. They've got this official visit weekend coming up. Before we get to that, though, there's going to be the fourth Elite Showcase camp this Wednesday. We'll be on the field for that one, bringing you the latest, let you know who's on campus, let you know who impresses. And then later this week on Friday, it's the second seven-on-seven tournament of June here on campus, and it is by far the bigger one out of the two. We had that one a couple weeks weeks ago this will involve more high level prospects more teams from across the region uh so we'll be doing our best to cover a lot of ground on the intramural fields at penn state uh friday really throughout the day um of course then it's official visits uh weekend so you kind of buckle up and, and you stay glued in you see what happens and another opportunity to expand the class and once we get through this week though uh not going to see another camp prospect uh prospect camp i should say until late july which will coordinate uh with that lash bash so this will be the last week for our chances to, to get a look out there on the practice fields i know you're going to be back in town um and i know you're already getting some confirmations on on the groups that are forming not just wednesday but into friday because uh, it's going to be a strong collection of teams that annually produce power five talent that are making their trip here 
Yeah, it's going to be another good weekend. I'm excited to get back up. I'm excited to see what some of these guys bring on the intramural field. You know, it's it's always fun to watch these guys work. It's been, you know, with this being the last big camp until July, this is the last chance for a lot of guys to open the eyes of the coaching staff. So definitely going to be a fun weekend in Happy Valley. And also an event where keep an eye on new offers going out, maybe some younger yep. players. Um, and the, the carts will be flying around. Trust me, the golf cart, carts will be moving. The official visitors will be there, and we will be there as well. Follow our coverage at lions247.com throughout the week. Of course, Tyler's doing a great job. Thanks, as always, Tyler, for hopping on the podcast with you. I think we'll probably check back in with you a little bit later this week. Oh, yeah, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about heading into the official visit weekend. No doubt about it. All righty. Thanks to Tyler for hopping on with us and talking about the addition of Tomari and Parker. Thanks to our producer, Lance Glenn. I am Tyler Donahue. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lions 24-7 podcast. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.